What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Anesthesia Success. I'm your host, Justin Harvey, flying solo from our global headquarters here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This episode is going to be dedicated to doing a quick recap of the Azure conference from which I returned last week and just give a couple highlights and awesome things that I learned, cool people that I met, and perhaps inspire you to consider att- attending the uh, the Azure pain meeting next fall. So I was down in I was down in New Orleans, uh, making some new friends, learning some cool things, and I had a couple key takeaways that I wanted to share with you. Um, the first is that conferences like these, like ASRA, like um, even like ASA or ASIP or others, or any of the other you know subspecialty uh, conferences, are great places to network, to meet people who have experiences that you can learn from. And specifically what I'm talking about is, you know, I was, I was speaking to a gentleman. It was my first night there. I was enjoying a bowl of gumbo at the hotel bar. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm giving myself away as a northerner here, uh, enjoying the, the hotel gumbo. But I was speaking with a guy who came in from the Midwest who grew up in, um, in the South, but he was really... Uh, you know, he had been in academics, he was anesthesia boarded and pain boarded and was doing some of both at a big academic center and working really, really hard. And he was probably five years into his attending role at this point. And he had gotten married and he had a few little kids. And you know how it is, you know, through residency, he was basically in survival mode, especially, you know, he was in a high cost of living area at that time. And he was interested at this point, you know, he's finally getting a little breathing room. He's got some good career momentum and he's thinking, you know what? I'm interested in understanding what the private practice world looks like. And cause I've only ever been in academics, you know, for med school and then residency and then a fellowship. And he was interested in exploring private practice employment opportunities. But what he found was he actually didn't believe it or not. He didn't have any friends in the private practice world. A lot of the people that he knew were only in the you know, in academics, that was a lot of who his colleagues had been for, for so long. And so he found himself, you know, casually interested in exploring these opportunities for employment, but not really in a place where he felt empowered to be able to, uh, you know, have a, have a dialogue with a prospective employer and feel like he wasn't going to be taken advantage of because he just didn't know the right questions to ask. He didn't know how to understand, you know, is that like, what's the practice look like? How do I evaluate if it's healthy? What's a good compensation mechanism? How much should I be making? What does it mean to be on production? What's an RVU? All these questions that, you know, if you're looking at potential private practice opportunities, you need to really have them dialed in. He was only still like building out the categories. So he came for this purpose, and I encouraged him to continue to ask around to, to be able to meet people on the private practice side of things who can, who have walked the path before him and who could be, you know, an uh, assistance to him as he's making these big decisions and potentially even be like a mentor or an advocate or somebody who can be vested in his success. I found that especially this Azure meeting, um, this was, <laughs> this will have a special place in my heart as one of the, one of the first um, pain meetings that I went to, and it was last year in, um, in San Antonio. And I had a great time and was really welcomed by a lot of people that I didn't know, but some of whom have, have become friends. And it's, it's really an awesome place to be able to build those kinds of relationships. And it's, it's just, yeah, especially if you find yourself having, you know, what I'll call a, and information deficiency as you're trying to make a big decision. This is a great place to find people who have made that decision already and just talk to them. Uh, get coffee and say, like, what are the mistakes that you made? What are the things that you're glad that you did? Would it be possible for me to, you know, whatever, learn learn from you, however, however possible. 
That's a really awesome thing that you can do from these conferences, especially the Azure meeting. And I would also encourage you, you know, if you're considering some kind of career switch, uh, there's other, the other subspecialty conferences and organizations, other committees within the ASA, and also, you know, reach out to people on LinkedIn, on even Twitter, Doximity, Facebook. Um, this is a community I have found where doctors really want to help people who are, you know, making these, these life-altering decisions, especially if they've made it themselves and they can really relate and empathize. You'll, you'll find a lot of, a lot of help in this community of, uh, of Azra specifically. So that's one thing that I took away. Uh, oh, and in addition, you know, not only are there physicians there, but there's other scientists and like med tech people and business people and lots of other interesting people to learn from. So that if you're interested in, you know, like neuromodulation, for example, there's people from the big Abbott and Medtronic and the other, uh, you know, device manufacturers. You can talk to them, talk about their products, talk about what does it look like to collaborate and who are the who are the big names doing things in the space right now? And who's teaching courses where I can do some cadaver implants and these types of things, um, you know, those are really valuable conversations to have. And these conferences are an awesome place to be able to build some of those relationships. Um, the second thing that I really enjoyed, and one of the reasons that I really love and recommend the fall Azure meeting is the practice management track. So practice management means a lot of different things. Um, Dr. David Provenzano is the ASRA chair of the practice management committee. And I know that he and some of his colleagues have been working really hard to make this content as valuable as possible. And this is for me, from a content standpoint, the absolute pinnacle of this entire experience. And what it is, is a combination of looking at the business, the economics, the sort of the secular trends, the insurance trends, um, and the financial trends that are all going to have deep, significant impact on your life as a, uh, as a physician, but they don't really get talked about, you know, in residency, in, uh, in the grand rounds in the mornings, whatever. Uh, and you know, obviously you can probably tell my passion in this project or in this, in this topic, this is a lot of overlap with the, the mission of this podcast to be able to bring these career financial business insights to physicians who desperately need them. And there's, there's nowhere else to get this, but one of these places you can get these things is the Azra practice management track set of meetings. So again, this was one day at Azra. Azra is a three day meeting and this was basically all day Saturday. There was a, you know, a room where they cover all these things and it's really, really awesome. I just want to give you a little flavor of some of the, uh, some of my favorite parts of the practice management track, just to, you know, perhaps whet your appetite. I, when I went in and I was sitting down, I, a friend came and sat down next to me and he said, man, I, we were looking around. There were probably like 80 or 90 doctors in the room. It was, it was pretty full. There was standing room only at the back, a couple rows, you know, of people standing in the back of the room. That's how much the, I think physicians are growing in their awareness that we, we want to take advantage of these opportunities to get educated about these topics. But he said, man, I wish this was like on the main stage because everyone needs to know this. And this is how you understand how to get paid as a physician. If you don't ever take the initiative to understand how to get paid, you can bet that it's going to cost you in terms of job security, in terms of the actual money that you make, in terms of some of the qualitative elements of your employment and of your career. And if you don't get educated on these topics, then you're going to be at a disadvantage. And so it's really, really important to, as much as possible, understand how the medical system works, especially whatever little corner of medicine you're operating in, understand how that works and understand how to 
be able to advocate for yourself in a world where <laughs> there are a few forces right now, in my opinion, advocating for physicians. It's, it's all about like, you know, who has the biggest stick to swing. And unfortunately doctors in, in what I can see, they're just so wrapped up in caring for patients and trying to be clinically excellent that they don't think about, you know, forming a union or going to Washington and lobbying the way that insurance companies and hospitals do. And so what happens is that doctors, they're, they're not coming from a place of negotiating strength for that reason. And it's only more important for these reasons to be able to be educated on these topics. So again, brief little snapshot into some of the content here. Um, Dr. Nirmala Abraham, hopefully I'm saying her name right. She had a couple great sessions talking about number one was the pros and cons of a small pain practice. And this is something where, you know, I have these conversations a lot. Like, is it even possible to be a solo pain practitioner anymore? Um, the short answer is yes, but it depends on a lot of variables and it depends on your personality and depends on where you live and what other big systems are around and whether or not you're able to get you know, approved with a couple of the big insurance companies. There's a lot of variables that go into that. And so Dr. Abraham did a great job of laying all this out very systematically and kind of giving the, the blueprint for if you want to do it, here's, here's the important questions to ask. Again, this has nothing to do with anything clinical by and large, but is still desperately important for somebody who wants to be able to do these things. Uh, and she actually, so there was a second session that she did all about contracts and important contract questions to ask. And I was, I found myself snapping pictures of all these slides because it's, it's really, really important. You know, it's great to get a contract attorney to look at your contract. And by the way, everyone should do that. You should never sign something that a lawyer hasn't looked at if your employment is on the line. But in addition, you need to bring some clinical awareness, some business awareness, some financial awareness to be able to ask questions that perhaps a, you know, uh, even a good healthcare attorney isn't going to be able to think of. Uh, because they're, you know, they're a paid professional. They're rendering a service as your fiduciary, but they, they just can't care as much as you because it's not their job and it's your job. And so go, going to a session like this one with Dr. Abraham, where she's outlining, you know, here's like 20 really important things you need to think about when you're signing a contract for employment. That is immensely valuable. Um, and then the second, um, Second session, which I found really impactful was Dr. Provenzano talking about surgery centers. So ambulatory surgery centers, also known as ASCs, are a site of service where, um, you know, it's, it's all outpatient procedures, but physicians, some physicians, pain physicians specifically can, in most cases, own a share of equity partnership and be a part owner in a surgery center. So you own a share of the business. And so I really like um, ASC thoughtful ASC ownership for pain physicians because it creates an additional stream of income in addition to, you know, whatever practices that you work at, whether or not you're a partner at the practice, you know, you're getting paid there primarily, but you have a surgery center that is a functioning business to which you may be, may be able to bring some patients and hopefully a lot of patients and perhaps with a team that you build around you of other clinicians and a practice manager and, you know, you, you got to build out a bullpen of professionals to help you do this. But if you're able to do this, then you can take a little bit of power back, <laughs> regain a little bit of autonomy and a little bit of power of self-determination as a physician, where all of the market forces right now are just obliterating physician autonomy. This is one way that you can say, you know what, this is my turf, this is my business, this is my place of medical practice, and I'm going to be invested in its success financially and emotionally and in every other way. 
And my partners and I are going to be very conscientious and very uh, intentional about providing the best care that we can at the lowest cost possible, run a, a profitable business that has great outcomes and can be just like massively successful, potentially. Now, again, this is a business, there's business risks, there's market risks that are associated with ASC ownership and there's legal complexity. You shouldn't do this without a lawyer also. But having said that, there's a lot of forces that are pushing more procedures toward the ASC setting that can make this an even more attractive opportunity. And I just want to briefly touch on two of them that I learned about um, this past week. Uh, one of them uh, has to do with the financial incentives. So I don't know if anybody's heard of a site of service differential. You can just Google that to see what I mean. But it's basically, the it refers to the difference in reimbursement for a certain procedure at a different you know, a different place you might get something done. So the one example that we used at Azra, at the Azra conference was a lumbar epidural. So depending on the site of service where you get this done, whether it's a an office setting or an ASC, a surgery center, or a hospital outpatient department, also known as HOPD, the cost varies widely and the amount billable to the insurance company varies widely. So just to do the ASC and hospital differential, if you get the lumbar epidural at an ASC, it's $415. If you get that same procedure, that same injection, that same you know few minutes of clinical care done in a hospital, it's $730. So that's a $315 difference between the ASC and the hospital. Now, if you're an insurance company and you've got an army of actuaries and lawyers that you're employing to figure out you know, how do we make this as efficient as possible from a cost standpoint, do you think you'd rather write a $730 check or a $415 check? Exactly. I think you see my point. You'd want to pay the $415. So there's incentive in the insurance world to be able to push as much of these procedures downstream from the hospital to the surgery center and the office setting more and more. So the demand for these spaces is growing at a rapid pace because of the financial incentive of it's just cheaper right now because of the way CMS has structured uh, reimbursement through Medicare and everything. It's just cheaper to do stuff at a surgery center than it is at the hospital. Furthermore, so there's that financial element that is growing in demand uh, in the ASC setting. And secondly, there's a just a, a clinical element because medicine is getting better and faster and cheaper. And things that used to be a three-day inpatient affair are now you get it done in an afternoon. Um, this is creating more and more procedures that qualify to happen in the surgery center setting. Specifically, the one example that we heard was total knee arthroplasty, TKA, so a knee replacement. If you're going to you know, go to your orthopedist and they're sawing off part of your shin bone and your thigh bone and then putting in some hardware and you're part robot now, you're up that same day walking around and then you're out that same day. So a total knee arthroplasty, which used to be an inpatient procedure and it would take a long, long, long time to recover, now is something that's happening same day at a surgery center. Similarly, a total hip arthroplasty is something that used to be an inpatient procedure has now been sort of like downgraded to a hospital outpatient procedure uh, because of the, uh, you know, the way that, because of the way the technology and the, procedures have been improving. And so what we're seeing, again, that's still in the hospital setting for the hip arthroplasty, but the point is stuff is getting pushed downstream. It's happening more and more quickly and more and more safely in settings that don't require the use of a hospital. And so again, these are just forces that are causing the ASC setting to be 
way, way, way more in demand than it has ever been. And this applies for not only pain doctors who have a potential at, at ownership in one of these, but also for anesthesiologists who are doing procedures requiring anesthesia. More and more anesthesia is going to be happening happening in the surgery center setting because there's just a lot more of them happening there. Um, and so, again, these are all things that I learned at the uh, at the practice management session at the Azure conference. And would highly recommend whenever you're at these conferences, whenever there's an opportunity to go into any of the practice management sessions, um, it's a great place to understand the forces that are going to significantly impact your employment, your compensation, your liability, your future job prospects, lots of Lots of these things that don't get covered anywhere else. This is a great place to get them. So hopefully you found this instructive. Hopefully you found it helpful. Just trying to sort of pull back the curtain a little bit to show you some of the awesome stuff that happens at these conferences. Um, really looking forward to 2020 for the Anesthesia Success Podcast. I'm going to be taking on a more aggressive publishing schedule, trying to get one podcast out a week because, man, I'm seeing more and more. Just there's a lot of need for this type of intel for people who are thinking about contracts, thinking about jobs, thinking about building a career, thinking about buying into a surgery center, thinking about moving towards financial independence. There's a lot of ground to cover, and I'm working hard to cover as much of it as I can. Uh, for anybody out there that has any good ideas for, oh my gosh, you need to talk to Dr. So-and-so, or somebody who has a unique perspective or a great story, would love to hear those recommendations. Just drop me a line, justin at anesthesiasuccess.com. Um, that's all I've got. Thanks for your time listening today. And thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia Success Podcast. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to anesthesiasuccess.com where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesiology and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I would also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on the Anesthesia Success Podcast.